Amen. If you missed the beginning, what I was saying at the beginning, this is Annie Armstrong Easter offering emphasis time. What does that mean for us? First thing is, this week is the prayer week. So when we sometime today grab one of these pamphlets and you'll have an individual missionary in in North America to pray for, along with hopefully every other Southern Baptist in the world at the same time. So that'll be taking place this week. Uh, What does it mean for us offering-wise? We give a percentage of our of our total offerings to the North American Mission Board Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So you don't have to give specifically to that offering. Everything you give, one percent of it goes to that. Uh, we've doubled our missions offerings since we did that, and so excuse me, you can give specifically to that, but you don't have to. If you just give to the church, the church is going to give to that. Uh, and like I said, we're, we're giving more now than we, than we had the last several years combined. Am I on, Todd? Okay. Getting a little weird stuff. So we're looking at uh, waiting upon the Lord. We'll be in Isaiah 40 and Acts 1. Isaiah 40 and Acts 1 will be in both places. If you're a note taker, fbcdan.com slash notes, or you can use that QR code to scan that with your electronic device and it will take you to the same place either way it's the same thing the same place invite you to do that if you'd like you can email that to yourself when you're done so we're gonna be in Isaiah 40 and Acts chapter 1 you'll need to be in both places if you're there say yep all right I love it and let's read it together starting in verse 29 Isaiah chapter 40 verse 29 looking at waiting upon the Lord today says he gives power to the weak he being God And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. So it starts off with God giving. God is the one who gives strength. God gives the perseverance. God fills the hungry and renews the weary. Gives energy to those who don't have energy. energy. And it's making the comparison here that no matter how young you are, no matter how tough you are, No matter how in shape you are or prepared you are, no matter our ability, eventually it's not enough to sustain us in this world is what these verses are reminding us. Now this is a time when in Isaiah's prophetic book where he is comforting Israel. He's told them that if they don't repent, they will be exiled. And when they are exiled, it's not going to be fun. But God, I love those two words. But God is going to save them in his timing. Don't grow weary. Don't faint. And so it's a very comforting chapter of Isaiah as he's turning uh, some nice words back to Israel. It's kind of where we're, and we're picking up at the end of that chapter here today. And then verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. I love that description. We have songs that, that use that description that they shall mount up with wings like eagles. You know, we're fortunate to have some bald eagles around here. Is there anything, I don't know if there's anything more effortless or beautiful than watching an eagle soar in the sky. It looks like they're doing nothing, but somehow they're flying. And that's kind of the picture that we're getting here. Uh, that those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. Remember, he's talking at this point in time to, to an Israel that's going to be exiled. Uh, but then prophetically, it's talking to the church waiting on Christ. Both things simultaneously true at the same time. But those who wait on the Lord, that's a different story. See, the youth, the strong, the prepared, the gifted, the in shape, all those things, the warriors, the kings, all, anybody, all those people in, the, in 29 and 30, it's not enough. They can't make it. But it's a different story for those who wait on the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord have a different outcome than those who don't. Now this word is hupomeno. That's how you say it in the Greek. We, we say hypo now for under, right? When something's hypoglycemic, low sugar, right? So, so it's the same word. It's just actually pronounced hupo than it is hypo. Okay, so this word here in this verse in the HCSB and in the NLT, they translate it in this instance as trust, which is the, which is the crux of what it means, of what it's trying to convey is to trust. But the, in the NIV says hope, but most English translations say wait. And I actually prefer that in this instance because it's really, really what we're talking about today. And it's really the essence of what's being talked about in this verse. But that word hupomeno, it means to stay behind, to stand firm, to endure, to persevere. L literally, it means to stay under. That's what the word literally means. Hyper means low or under. To stay under. So it means to bear something, right? To bear something, like bear a burden. So figuratively, it's like bearing trials, having fortitude, persevere, abide, endure patiently, to take it on patiently. It's not the same word as patient. There's a different Greek word for that and different timing. To take something patiently, to endure, to suffer. I like this one, to tarry. To tarry behind. There's a word we don't use in English very much, right? To tarry. Most of the time we use that in the negative. Don't tarry, right? Don't wait around too long. Don't take forever. Psalm 27 says it like this. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Standing firm, enduring. When you do that, you're showing hope. And you're showing trust in what it is that you're waiting upon, which is why in the English, the HCSB says trust. In the New Testament, this word as a noun, hupomon, is used 32 times. In the, as a verb, hupomeno, like this, is used 17 times. It's used often in the New Testament. And it's used repeatedly in the Psalms. You find it over and over and over and over in the Psalms. And we know from our Psalm study, those that were here and remember something every once in a while, that, that Psalms is the Bible inside of the Bible. It, it practically tells the entire story of the Bible just in the Psalms. So when a theme is repeated in Psalms, it's repeated for a reason. It's something we should pay attention to. I've already read to you Psalm 27, Psalm 37, 7 through 9. You know this one. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Or Psalm 135 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, or his promises, I hope. Psalm 25, 4 through 5 says, make me to know your ways, O Lord. 
Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. You are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. It reminds me of a hymn. Psalm 37, 34. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit your land. You will look and when you will look on when the wicked are cut off. It's all over the place. This theme, this anti-American theme of waiting and waiting well, enduring and waiting. We like to get out of my way, kick the door down, here I come. And there's times for that. I'm not saying there's not times for that. But I think we really, really, and by we, I'm preaching to myself, I think I really, really struggle with this. Really struggle with this. A, a book I recently read is, is, is completely on this subject. I had a friend ask me, hey, have you read any good books recently? And I sent him this one, and he sent it back to me. He's like, bro, I was wanting like some light reading, dude. This thing is like, I was like, I know, it's done the same thing to me. It's wrecked me. He, he, it, it's about Sabbath, and it's about rest, and it's about waiting. It even talks about, it even talks about, some of you won't understand this, but, but, but my people out there that get this, you'll get this. It talks about like ways to practice this, right? So when you're driving down the road and you pull up to a stoplight, don't change lanes to the lanes that you think you can gain seven seconds because there's three less cars in it. Like just, just stay in that lane. Do you have any idea how hard that is for me and for other people that are in this? That's a hard thing to do. It's really hard to do. It seems like you're wasting time and most of the time when we wait it seems like we're wasting time and in the world that may be the case here or there but when we're waiting on the Lord we're never wasting time there's no such thing as wasting time when we're waiting on the Lord so let's skip forward to Acts chapter 1 hopefully you put it put your finger there also Acts chapter 1 and we'll start in verse 3. It says this, he being Jesus, after he suffered, he also presented himself to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. You think about that often, that Jesus, after resurrected, hung around and allowed hundreds and hundreds of his followers to see him, to be taught by him in his resurrected form, to, to show that he was himself by many convincing proofs, Luke tells us here in Acts. That's really cool. Nothing to do with what we're talking about, but that's awesome. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, verse 4. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. Continuing. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom at this time? Verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of earth, into the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1-8, which is why we have an Acts 1-8 fund to go out and do missions with. Isn't that funny? It, just really, really, really quick sidebar. 
They tell, Jesus tells them, wait. And their first question is, oh, what are you going to do? Their first question is an impatient question, right? Oh, oh, are you doing it? Is it going to happen? Rome no more? It's not for you to know. You can't understand everything that's happening. You wouldn't believe it if I told you. It would blow your mind. If you even saw a glimpse of the entire will of God and plan of God, you can't handle it. Just go wait, Jesus tells them. Just go wait, guys. Holy Spirit will take care of it. Go wait on him. Go wait on him to show up. That's what he tells them. Wait for the Father's promise. Jesus is heading back to heaven, and his first instruction to the apostles is to wait. Expectantly wait. The Christian wait is not like the world waits. It's not a twiddling of the thumbs. We wait with hope and with expectation for God to do something. We trust and hope in his word and his promises. He said what he said. Jesus is saying, hey, he said through me earlier that he would send the Holy Spirit. So wait on him to do it. Jesus is reminding them and telling them, have faith. Just have faith. It's another way to say it. Wait on the Lord. Just have faith. He said he's going to send it. He's going to send it. Now, picture it. The apostles and a few others are around when he says this, right? Go wait for the Holy Spirit to show up. He'll be here in a few days. A few days. Now, what if, allow me some artistic license here. What if the apostles, when they're sitting around, you know, what if, what if Andrew goes, man, it's time for lunch. I think I'm going to leave. Man, I got so much that needs to be done at home. Doesn't God understand? Doesn't God understand that he needs to show up and then leave on my timeline? Man, man, I'm not even sure anything's even going to really happen, guys. I mean, really, we've been waiting for two days now. Is anything really going to happen? Man, I'm tired. I'll go home and take a nap. What if one of them would have just got up and left after an hour, after a day, after a couple of days? What if one of the apostles would have just got up and, and left out of, out of impatience or out of, out of a lack of faith, whatever it may have been, and totally missed Pentecost, totally missed the baptism by fire of the Holy Spirit, speaking in different languages, 3,000 people getting saved radically and the church just being birthed in an instant. It goes from a few hundred people to thousands of people after one person stands up and gives a sermon after they have demonstrated that they have the Holy Spirit. What, what, if, they would have, what if they would have missed that? Have you ever missed something where you're like, golly, I cannot believe I didn't stay for that. Right? It's happening at ball games, it's happening at stuff. That's why we have that, that saying now, FOMO, fear of missing out. It's a terrible way to live your life. Uh, but but uh, there, it is real sometimes, fear of missing out. What, what if they hadn't tarried before the Lord? If they hadn't waited before the Lord? Think of what they would have missed. 
Which makes me ask the question. It's easy to think about the apostles, but now let's, let's make it a little more personal. What do we miss? What do we miss individually and especially corporately? Because we won't tarry before the Lord. We won't wait before the Lord. We won't wait upon the Lord. It's an uncomfortable question, isn't it? Now, how did they wait? What do they do? Sit around and twirl their thumbs? No. We looked at this last week, didn't we? It goes right into what we looked at last week. They were in the upper room together. What were they doing as they waited? Anybody? Well, they were praying. Good. One person paid attention last week. Awesome. If you go down a few verses to verse 14, all these were continually united in prayer. You see, it goes hand in hand, church. It goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. Waiting in prayer. It goes hand in hand. They go together. Lord, send revival, but make it fit in the time that I've given you this week. This little time slot I've given you, God, make, make revival fit into that. I got too much to do. I'm too important. I'm too tired. Because my schedule's too full. I need to go home and rest. I want revival, Lord. I want revival. I do. But can you make it fit between 11 and 12? Because before that's not so good for me. And after that sure ain't good for me. God, can you just make it fit between 11 and 12, please? God, can you send revival? But only during that time. Send revival, Lord. But don't make me break my routine to have revival. Don't make me, don't make me break my routine for it to happen. Lord, send a mighty move of your spirit. A mighty move of your spirit. But can you make it in so I can get to lunch? And after lunch, I can get onto my to-do list. Lord, I'm hungry and I've got too much to do. I mean, I really want the spirit to move. I really want to experience your presence. I really want a mighty manifestation of who you are and what you can do. I want to be filled up, God. I mean, I ask for you to do stuff for me all the time, but can you... Can you end it by 12? Because after 12, God, I just don't really feel like worshiping you. Doesn't work that way, church. It doesn't work that way. We're conditioned to thinking it works that way, but it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. We must be willing to wait upon the Lord in hopeful expectation, and we must be willing to wait in front of the Lord, mostly in prayer, but also in song and in praise. Now, sidebar, off the notes, hopefully this comes across correctly. I don't want to have long church services just for the sake of long church services. That ain't what I'm saying. There ain't hardly anything worse on this planet than a church service that should have been 60 minutes that's crammed into 90. You know what I'm saying? A 45-minute service that's crammed into an hour and a half, that ain't, worth, that ain't worth a flip. That's terrible. What I'm saying is sometimes the Spirit's trying to move, and sometimes the Spirit's trying to manifest and show up for us in a powerful way, but we're so dadgum busy, and we're so bent on getting out of here at a certain time that we just squelch it. 
just squelch it right there in front of us. I, I don't care. I don't care if the Spirit shows up and moves in 45 minutes, and I don't care if He shows up and moves in 90 minutes. I just want the Holy Spirit. Like, I, I'm tired of doing church, of following Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm just done with it. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I'm done with us not being sensitive and responsive to the Holy Spirit. From now on, as long as I, as long as, as long as the Lord's got a hold of my heart and my mind and allows me to have some bit of a say in what we do, we will be sensitive and the key and responsive to the Holy Spirit. And, 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 and when that falls in times that it doesn't work for you, and this is not sarcasm and this is not me trying to be funny, when it falls into times where it doesn't work for you, for whatever reason, because life happens, you got a sick family member. You got somebody you go check on on Sundays. You're not feeling good. You 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 you, you had a soup. You had a, something in the oven that day, and you got to get home so your house doesn't burn down. Like whatever the case may be, whatever it is, like if the spirit's moving and you have something going on, then it's okay. Just go take care of it. Right? It's fine. But if God wants to keep doing something, then we're just going to let Him keep doing it. Whether it's five of us. Or 300 of us. But I'm done being disobedient to the call of the Holy Spirit as the pastor of this church. Can't take it any longer. And that, that's on me. I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining to you. That's on me. That, that's been my personal hang-ups. Not yours. Mine. See, the thing is, God does not and will not capitulate to the demands of your timetable and your expectations. He's too big for that. He's too big for that, so get over yourself. Just get over yourself. Me included. Say that into a mirror. And while we wait upon and in front of the Lord, what keeps us enduring? While we wait upon and in front of the Lord, what keeps us enduring? Who keeps us enduring? Who are we trusting? Let's go back to Isaiah for that. We'll finish up in Isaiah. I'm fixing to read a swath of scripture. So I hope your mind doesn't start wondering, and I hope you don't miss this. Because I want you to listen and hear and read along with me what Isaiah says to Israel to remind them of why they need to wait on the Lord, how it's possible for them to wait on the Lord, and the power that it is to wait on the Lord, and who exactly it is that they're waiting upon. It ain't some chump on the street. So listen to this as we get into it. Starting in verse 9. Back to Isaiah chapter 40 verse 9. O Zion, messenger of good news, shout from the mountaintops. Shout it louder. <laughs> o Jerusalem, shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. See how I was talking to the church? Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in power. He will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. Come on, Lord. Come on. Come on. He will feed his flock, verse 11, like a shepherd. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. Picture it. 
He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Verse 12, who else, who else has held the oceans in his hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice or teach him? Who can counsel the Lord? Nobody. Verse 14, has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? I've sure given it to him. That's for sure. I've given him a lot of advice. But did he need my advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right or show him the path of justice? No. For all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. Every human being on the planet, he is saying, is a drop in the bucket to how big God is, to who God is. They're nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. All the wood in Lebanon's forests and all Lebanon's animals would not be enough to make a burnt offering worthy of our God. The nations of the world are worth nothing to him. In his eyes, they count for less than nothing. More emptiness and froth, mere emptiness, excuse me, and froth. Verse 18, to whom can you compare God? What image can you find to resemble him? Can he be compared to an idol formed in a mold, overlaid with gold and decorated with silver chains? Or, or, or if people are too poor for that, they might at least choose wood that won't decay and a skilled craftsman to carve an image that won't fall down. What a silly thing to worship an idol like we do. Verse 21, haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he gave before the world began, are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. He judges the great people of the world and brings them all to nothing. Everybody that thinks there's something ain't a thing in front of God. They hardly get started, barely taking root when he blows on them and they wither. The wind carries them off like chaff, like a tumbleweed rolling through West Texas. Verse 25, to whom will you compare me? Now it's personal. Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength. Not a single one is missing. We still don't know how many stars are in the sky. We're trying to count them. We still can't. And he knows them all by name. And somehow knows the hairs on your head, too. Why would we waste our time in front of or with anyone else? Verse 27. Oh, Jacob, how can you say to the Lord, does, does not, uh, Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you, have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weary. He, he's, he never grows weak or weary. He doesn't get tired like us. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. So stop trying. And then it finishes where we started. He gives power to the weak 
And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Bottom line, we must be willing to wait upon and wait in front of the Lord in prayer if we want to see him move extraordinarily. If we want to show up to church and have church services that make us feel good and puff us up and make us feel self-righteous so we can walk out to the door and show the world how good we are in our own eyes, then we don't have to do that. We can do that in our own power. Matter of fact, we're really good at it. As is every other human being that's ever walked the face of the planet that uses religion to make themselves feel good about themselves. But if we want to see Jesus do something mighty, mighty, extraordinary, beyond what we can comprehend, then we have to be willing to wait upon and in front of, in prayer, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there's not a single thing that he can't do. Most of the time he's just waiting on us to wait on him. I'm going to pray for us. We'll finish in song. A song or two or whatever. Truett, if you and Ruth, if y'all come up here to this front row and sit, and the deacons, if you'll come up during this time, deacons that are available, if you'll come up and, and lay hands on these guys and anyone else that feels called to, to come up and lay hands on these guys. They need our prayers. More than you can possibly imagine. If you want to come up and pray for missionaries all across North America, trying to lead people to the Lord during this time, you're welcome. If you want to stand there and sing, or if you're pressed and need to go, I love you too, and I understand, whatever the case may be. But we're going to spend some time in prayer, and when the Lord tells us he's done with us for today, we'll be done.